Chris here, creator of Dirt and Audio Drama. If you're eagerly awaiting season four of Dirt, which will be Dirt's final season, here's a great conversation that UK podcast critic Kevin Wan recently had with me on his new podcast, Tea in the Sahara. The interview is a brisk 19 minutes long, and we get into different things ranging from when season four of Dirt might release to more general topics like casting, favorite recent audio dramas, what might come after Dirt, and more. You can find Kevin's podcast by searching Tea in the Sahara on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or by clicking the links in this episode's show notes. And you should subscribe or follow his show while you're at it. You can also listen to our conversation right here after this brief intro, as Kevin has kindly allowed us to run the interview in our feed also. Lastly, be sure to check out Kevin's written work at teainthesahara.com. There you'll find plenty of fiction podcast reviews as well as insightful interviews with creators. It's a great website with lots of personality and worth the visit. So, without further ado, here is the latest episode of the podcast Tea in the Sahara. Take it away, Kev. Welcome, podcast fans, to Tea in the Sahara, the home of fictional audio drama reviews with me, your host, Kev. Settle down, folks, grab yourself a cuppa or beverage of choice, dependent on time zones, as this week we sit down for a chat with Chris Kayela, the creator, producer, and director behind the awesome series Dirt, an audio drama. The traffic of our chat will have a twist. At the end of this show, Chris will have the opportunity to ask me any question he chooses, so please be kind. Hello, Chris. How are you doing, fella? Hello, Kev. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Great. It's great to have you on board. Thank you for being guinea pig for this show. <laughs> Happy to do it. For those unfamiliar with Dirt, an audio drama, could you provide a brief overview for the listeners and what is at the heart of your show? Absolutely. So I'm Chris Cayella, writer, director, and producer of Dirt, an audio drama. I live in Seattle, Washington in the States which is a full nine hours time difference from where you are, Kev. And it's uh, mid-morning here, so let me be the first to say almost good night <laughs> to you. But uh, my show is a mystery thriller set here in Washington State. Uh, it has dashes of science fiction, some fantastical elements as well. Uh, it's basically about a local tech celebrity named Joseph Elo, who one day receives a mysterious letter in the mail from his grandfather, that has vague clues in it about the need to find things that are buried in the ground. But of course, there's a twist. His grandfather died 30 years ago. So of course, Joseph becomes obsessed with this strange treasure hunt to the point that it kind of takes over his life and his relationships and even interferes with his work responsibilities. Thanks, Chris. Cheers for that uh, overview. I mean, listeners, if you haven't already listened to Dirt, you really should jump on this. It's an awesome podcast. I've been following it from day one and I can't tell you how amazing it is. The production quality that Chris puts into this show is top tier. So Chris, the fourth and last season of Dirt is on the horizon. How does it feel to be coming to the end of the story? Yeah, honestly, I, I, I didn't think it would take this long to get here. I launched Dirt back in 2020, which seems like a long time ago now, given all the things that were happening in the world at the time. Uh, but it turns out that producing a full cast audio drama while also working and doing family stuff takes a little while. But uh, I've loved every second of it. And as far as how it feels to be wrapping it up, 
I mean, it's bittersweet as you might imagine, but hopefully I can end things in a way that feels right for the story and is exciting for the listeners, you know, with lots of surprises and reveals, cliffhangers, all that stuff. But I can definitely say that I'll miss these characters and places when it's all said and done. Was Dirt always written with four seasons in mind? No, not at all. I, I didn't know, uh, as I mentioned, how, you know, exactly how long it would take. When I first started out, I just wanted to sort of like write the first act of something and get it out there. And I didn't know if it would be one more season or five more seasons or indefinitely, you know, 10 or infinitely more seasons. Uh, you know, some shows just go on and on forever. But I realized, I think, as I was, as I was writing and producing the third season last year that I was within striking distance of the finish line of the story arc. And so uh, that made it easy to, to plan ahead for this season and, and wrap the story up. Yeah, four seasons does seem about right, I think. Otherwise, I mean, not to say dilute your stock, but sometimes people can go on and on and it loses, the show can lose its magic, if you know what I mean. Within your socials recently, you mentioned about timescales. So how close are fans of Dirt to hearing season four? Yeah. Yeah. I have put some information out there just to try to, you know, build expectations for people. So it's mid-February now, and I'm about halfway through writing the season, a little more than halfway through writing the season four script. And I'm guessing it'll be another month or so until it's finished. And then right after that, I'll jump into the voice recording part of production. So my best estimate at the moment is that new episodes will be ready to drop either late summer or early fall. So get ready. With that in mind, then, will it also feel like a relief once it finally has wrapped? I think it will feel like a relief. Although, as I said, I think I'm going to miss these characters in these places quite a bit. But it'll be kind of fun to maybe move on to some other, you know, audio ventures that have been sort of scratching at the back of my brain for a little while. This isn't the end of hearing from Chris Kyler, I feel. I don't think so, or I certainly hope not. The cast used within Dirt sounds super on point. So how did you approach the casting for all your characters that really have only lived out in your mind solely? First, thanks for saying that. I'm definitely proud of all the performers, especially given that really only one cast member, and that's Jeannie Leslie, who plays Joseph's sister, Kim, has any real acting training or experience. But every one of them has been into the idea of the show from the very start. Even back when it was obvious at the beginning that I really was still figuring out what I was doing. Um, but my approach to casting is basically when I write a new character, I'm already thinking in my head, you know, who, who do I know who is a good personality fit for this role? Or at least who do I know who has the right voice for this? And there are actually only two roles in Dirt that I hired outside actors for. And literally everyone else that I've cast is an acquaintance of mine. You know, so leaning on friends instead of professional actors, you know, that can be risky and not because your friends aren't totally into it and willing, but because you just don't always know what you're going to get. But I think overall, it, I think it's worked out pretty great. In fact, the only person I've really had to coach along the way is actually myself. <laughs> my, my acting chops were pretty raw at times in season one, which I've gone back and amended in, in places. But I think I've made a lot of strides there as the show has progressed. And then Really, uh, for all the cast members at the end of the day, it's just about understanding their character and then delivering their lines in a way that feels authentic to the situation in what I call a deliberately, quote unquote, plain talk style versus being like overly theatrical or overacting. I mean, there's a lot of productions out there where theatrical performances work really well, but for Dirt from the start, 
I've coached my actors to just try to be as real as possible to whatever situation is playing out in the scene. And I think at this point in the production, I think we all have a pretty good grasp of what that means for each of our characters. What's your favorite scene so far from Dirt? <laughs> That's kind of a hard one. Uh, it's sort of like asking you know, a parent to pick their favorite child. I, I kind of love them all, honestly. But if you're going to ask me that question, I, I can think of actually two scenes that stand out a little more for me. And they're both related in a way. The first one is a scene in chapter four in season one, when it's just Joseph and Maria in the kitchen at the farmhouse. Joseph, he just woke up and everyone else is already out working. So it's just him and Maria having breakfast together. And they're kind of catching up on things, including things about Antonia's past. And Antonia is uh, Maria's daughter, for those who haven't listened to the show yet. They're kind of catching up on things about Antonia's past that Joseph didn't know. Just just a quietness to the scene that for me is really powerful. And you get to know these two characters a little bit better because of it. And hopefully feel a kind of warmth between them that endears them even more to the listener. So that's the first scene. And then the second scene, it also takes place in the farmhouse kitchen. And it's from chapter 17 in season three. And I don't want to give too much away because a lot happens, as you can imagine, between chapter four and chapter 17. But uh, suffice it to say that Joseph goofs up along the way. He, he kind of goofs up a lot throughout the, the story, but in a, in a particularly big way. And he kind of gets his comeuppance from someone who is a, a bit of a stern authority figure in his life. So it's a, the scene is a turning point in the story. And I just love how much the actors you know, put, put a lot of feeling into the lines that they were given. I think it works really well as, a, as sort of a, a, a pivotal point in the story. So I wouldn't be doing my job interviewing you if I didn't ask what are the future plans once Dirt finally wraps up? Ah, uh, the future. Yes. Well, I do see myself creating more audio dramas after Dirt. Uh, it's a lot of fun. An audio drama in general is just an awesome creative outlet. And I think you can develop an intimacy with an audience that is, I think it's just different than film or TV or even books uh, because everything is happening you know, in your ears. It's just great. So yeah, there'll be a next something or something's, I don't know exactly what it'll be, but, uh, you know, I think a cool goal for a few years from now is for my little, mostly one person production studio to have like three or four productions out there in the world for people to enjoy. So for me, that would be really cool. Do you reckon you'd stay within the sort of thriller genre or do you think you'd step out of that and maybe move into something very left field? I don't think I would go into something left field, but I would probably do something that has a little less of a treasure hunt, collect the clues kind of uh, format to it. It might be just something that's a little more of a straight up drama. But I do, I do like the sort of sci-fi and slightly fantastical elements of a story. So I, I could see keeping some of that as well. So switching gears and moving into more about the audio drama space, in 2023, fictional podcasts particularly was a standout year for me. What scripted audio dramas captivated you last year? Yeah, I agree with you, Kev. Uh, last year was a great year for fiction podcasts. There's so many great new shows. So if I think back to last year, I'll, I'll name a few of them. So I, I really enjoyed one show called Bloom, which I know you did as well. Yeah, great recommendation. Yeah, Bloom for your audience. Is, it's spelled B-L-U-M. And it's kind of a historical mystery that takes place mostly in Switzerland. So just really great acting and narration in that one. And then I'm really enjoying a show called The Love Talker, 
which is a co-production between W. Keith Timms and M.T. Goins, who both actually produced their own great shows in the Book of Constellations and Delivery, respectively. So for that one, if anyone's looking to scratch that folk horror itch, especially one that takes place in a creepy corner of the Appalachian Mountains here in the States, uh, the Love Talker is really captivating. It, it's also unnerving at times, just a heads up, but a really distinct sound design that's a great melding of their two styles. Okay, so and then last year, I also really enjoyed Fathom, which I think you have listened to also. Uh, Fathom is a, pre, it's a prequel to uh, Derelict, and that came out last year. I believe they're on to, they are on to season two now. Uh, and then a couple others. Uh, I, there's a Q Code show I really enjoyed called Ad Lusum, which stars Chris Pine, among others. Uh, it's just a really intriguing story with great acting and a really compelling kind of action ending. And then I also thought K63 was great. And that one stars Julianne Moore and Oscar Isaac. It's just a, to me, it's just a masterclass in the short episode format. It's really amazing how much they're able to get done in only like 12 to 15 minutes per episode. So that's a, that's a great show that, uh, is, is, that you can binge, I think, two episodes of, or two seasons of, excuse me. Which voiceover actors are currently your favorites? Well, that's a great question. And it's going to be kind of an indirect answer. I, honestly, I don't know that I have favorites per se. The cool thing about most of the shows that I like, which include uh, the ones I just mentioned and, and many others, for example, uh, Red Valley, Visionaries Audio Drama, Mockery Manor, The Road of Shadows, even a show, maybe my, maybe my all-time favorite show, uh, which is Point Mystic. The cool thing about most of those shows is that the actors aren't famous or household names. You know, you're, you're really not thinking about who the actor is in your ears because it's, it's a character. It's not a, you know, a, a famous person, if that makes sense. But that said, if I have to name one voice actor that I'm particularly fond of, I would say Haley Evanett from Mockery Manor. Um, her voice and performance skills are just off the charts. So in Mockery Manor, she has to play two characters who also happen to be t twin sisters and they have, a, they have pretty different personalities. So I, I can't imagine that that's an easy assignment, but she pulls it off brilliantly or smashingly, whatever, whichever adjective I should use there. I know I'm interviewing you, but I'll add my thoughts into this particular question because from my perspective, male and female, so I'm going to go for female, it's going to be Chad Morgan who plays Raina in Derelict, which we just mentioned a few moments ago. I think she's fantastic. I really like characters that are flawed. I mean, who doesn't like a flawed character? I think she really delivers on that. And for a male voiceover actor, I really like Daniel Kamen. So this chap is in a few podcasts at the moment, and I came across him from The Signal. This is written by Casey Wells, who I've worked with many times before for reviews. But his voice is just fantastic. It's so rich and deep. It's just great voiceover actor. I think he treads the boards, is what we would say here in the UK. Nice. And that's in the signal. I'll have to check that out. I haven't listened yet. Yeah, I think you'd really dig it as well, Chris. It's really cool. Thanks for the recommendation. What's the one piece of advice you wish you had received that you would like to pass on to inspiring indie podcasters? Yeah, that's a great question. And I do get asked that uh, from people who write in uh, to me with advice and whatnot. And, you know, I think for me, it's probably that old adage of, don't sweat the small stuff. I mean, on the one hand, you have to sweat the small stuff because, you know, if you want to launch a successful show, 
there's an incredible amount as you're finding out with your own podcast of small stuff that you have to do and get right for people to even tune in and listen to your show. Right. Yeah. But, but I guess what I mean is, you know, don't stress out too much. If for example, a particular sound effect isn't perfect. I mean, one thing you learned, certainly that I learned as I've gone along is that there's a good chance that it doesn't need to be perfect to convey what you want. So advice would be just allow yourself some grace as you go, I guess, and em embrace some of the imperfections that, you know, those imperfections can even contribute to what might turn out to be a style all your own. And, uh, you know, you might have your own expectations of greatness, but your audience, especially when you're starting out, literally has no expectations when they first meet you. So it's a nice blank canvas. So I guess that's kind of a roundabout way of just saying, like, try to enjoy what you're doing. Don't be so consumed by it that you can't have fun doing it. And really just try to harness the creative energy surrounding it all because it's your project. All solid advice, Chris. And finally, turning the tables, do you have a question for me? Okay. Do you have a drum roll sound effect on hand? Probably not. <laughs> I'm sure I can add one in. <laughs> All right, for sure. So, okay, Kev. So your audience is dying to know, as a podcast critic, what is the one thing that hooks you the most on a show from the moment you press play? So, for example, is it sound design? Is it the story? Is it the vocal performances? Or is it something else entirely? Oh, Chris, that's a great question. As a podcast critic, firstly, I'd say I've only stepped into the podcasting arena just recently but as a podcast critic what hooks me from the very start usually is a combination of factors so it's a compelling story coupled with engaging narration that's key to me the sound design element obviously it enhances the experience but it's the storytelling that at the foundation if that isn't strong it's hard for me to stay engaged um, and I usually have I have a sort of a free episode listen sort of threshold if I'm not hooked in by the third episode then I'm not going to be hooked in and then that sounds really odd but that's the way I work so hope that answers your question it does yes thank you it it, it wasn't like you know a, a, a super uh, controversial question so next time I'll have to come up with something really you know like what's your like what what <laughs> what's your favorite color of uh, of sports blazer that you wear or something like that <laughs> uh, put me right on the spot with the awkward ones right i'd go with blue yeah <laughs> okay oh blue nice thank you chris for being my guinea pig for the first ever interview podcast on tea in the sahara my pleasure i was happy to be here and thank you so much great questions kev appreciate it and i love your show i love your podcast reviews i've been a big fan of yours uh from the start so so keep up the great work thank you cheers mate you can find episodes of Dirt from a podcast platform of your choice. If you're a writer or podcast creator keen to be interviewed on my show or have your audio drama reviewed, get in touch. You can find all of my contact details via my website or within the show notes. And until next time, this has been Kevin Wan for Tea in the Sahara. Cheers. Cheers.